Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Deeper Current Podcast. I am your host, Hannah Ruth Dyson, founder of Soul Sea Gathering and Women Change World. So happy to be here once again, back for a solo episode and yeah, how are you doing out there? I hope um, you're looking after yourself hope you've been able to find the gifts through this time and uh, channel into creativity in whatever way that um, shows up for you. I know this is still such a strange time. It's so surreal. And we're all definitely going through things at different times and a lot is coming up to the surface. So yeah, I know personally uh, self-care and just yeah, being a little bit extra loving has been really, um, yeah, really important at this time and really slowing down has helped me that little bit more, I think, to pay attention to, yeah, maybe where I rush or I skip over things or I, um, yeah, let things pass me by rather than letting things really sink in and, and, and like nourish and enjoy each moment so yeah overall I'm really really finding so many blessings <laughs> from this time and so much beautiful energy moving through I feel really purposeful I feel my work um, with both projects <laughs> feels really relevant right now and even more necessary I have a lot of uh, fuel added to my fire and yeah, wow. We um we went up to visit some friends last night deep in the jungle. Uh they have a beautiful space, um pretty hidden. And so it was really yeah, amazing to step into their world and and <laughs> it was such a weird night. It was so um crazy. I mean the jungle there is so uh, alive I mean I mean it's alive everywhere but they because they live so far back you know they had so many troops of monkeys going through so many birds they have a lot of big cats coming through their uh, land and and so yeah it was uh, a lot of intense <laughs> things taking place their um, neighbors a local family had had to leave really suddenly to because um, their grandma had passed away so they went to go and um, spend time elsewhere and they had left um, a lot of pets um, including some small cats and uh, a parrot that they have domesticated that they've been feeding and this parrot is really funny because it just wants to land on your head it loves to walk around on people's heads and and it's just obviously used to being fed but yeah it was so she kept coming in and then uh, our friend's dog who's usually the sweetest dog um you know is always responding it's just like really um you know uh connected to the owners <laughs> she suddenly lost it but got so possessed ran like deep into the jungle i think it was after one of the cats um, who I think had like scratched her or, or something, but she just went <laughs> crazy 
and our friends then like lost it also because I mean it's it's real there's so many things that could happen to you like deep in the jungle like big cats snakes and you know like a small dog like yeah it's it's not a great place to go um, for a long extended period of time um, but whatever they did they couldn't get her back and this went on for like I mean I think in total she was like she had lost it for like around an hour and so they were going crazy trying to do anything they could to get her back but they couldn't reach her and she wasn't responding and so they were like super stressed out, exhausted. Eventually we decided, okay, we need to walk back down the hill and maybe start eating and just, I don't know, getting on with the rest of our night. We can't do anything about this dog. And we start walking down the hill and my friend turned to me and she was just like, what do I do? What do I do? She was like clearly, um, you know, having a meltdown and just, you know, this dog is so close to her. Um like a child you know and so all of a sudden it just came became so clear to me I was like well I think as much as you can like like come into a really calm state and drop into your heart and just like send her love and let her feel that and it was so crazy because immediately the barking stopped and again this was like after an hour of like nothing <laughs> like following around of this like immediately uh, my friend dropped into her heart and the dog started, stopped barking and then five minutes later she like came walking down towards us and like as if nothing had happened and again was just like in her sweet self and it it just felt like such a powerful reminder I mean how much influence we have over others and how important it is to look after our um selves you know I, I learned this a lot first in partnership like things that I would get really annoyed at like times where we're like rubbing each other the wrong way I realized like if I just actually tune into myself and it's like very humbling for the ego because my ego wants to say like you did this wrong or this is da -da 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 -da, and like be in this back and forth <laughs> um but like really the the better route is always coming into my heart and like looking at what's coming up for me what is being mirrored why am I triggered like all of this stuff um which usually has roots deep into childhood and and um you know just patterns of response that like that you know, get triggered um and and time and time again like we then would come into a beautiful resolve and a deeper space between us um just by entering deep into myself and a deeper space of understanding and compassion and love and then I've definitely noticed it with our son it's like sometimes I'm like oh my god you're crazy like what oh, you're driving me insane and um you know he really feels like he's just acting out and doing anything he can to just <laughs> get to us and and so forth and then I realized like wait maybe I'm a little bit crazy maybe I'm a little bit stressed out right now and as soon as I calm myself and realize oh yeah again I'm triggered about something or like yeah something is like upsetting me right now or something I haven't quite um, felt all the way through and I, I drop back in and I like feel that through and then 
again coming to a, a like a sweeter calmer place it's like amazing how quickly that mirrors and reflects with us <laughs> and he'll suddenly like completely calm down also so it's like again fascinating um again how much influence we have over one another and as long as we could take responsibility for our own energy and our own part in a story, it's so much easier to always point out what other people are doing wrong. And this also, you know, mirrors out into the world. It's very easy to, um, like, yeah, point out all the things that are wrong. And it's like, to me, it's like a constant humbling process coming back in especially when I come to speak on certain topics and educate and share which I love to do um, and I think it's just an important part of this journey is just sharing and communicating and uh, learning together but again it like makes me constantly look back at myself like okay where am I still doing this in some way and how can I be you know in more integrity and it's just an ongoing process and yeah it's so worthwhile it's so beautiful I think it's the true empowerment you know to really realize what influence we have and then really pay attention to the influences that are coming into our life you've definitely heard me talk about this before in the podcast it's um, a big component of the course clarity um, and focus that we haven't release it's kind of just been there sitting there and you need to put it out on women change world just in case you feel called to um, explore that in your own time because it definitely helps me to uh, like to remind myself to keep coming back to that awareness of like what influences am I letting in and I also had this reminder with several friends um, here like even if you're not engaging in mainstream media which is easy to do at this time um which of course is feeding a lot of the dominant narratives of um you know death rates and a lot of fear and like you heard last week in such a powerful episode with natalia bonia it really impacted me like it really sunk in deeper like just the war machine that the media is and how um it's just playing into these same narratives and we've just been raised with it so it's become so normal and uh, you know at this point also media is just so profit driven and like run by whoever is you know and it's become also just so ideological like like based on right or left politically and to me it's like oh my god there's so much more to the story at every given time and I just feel like we're totally missing the point if we're like really trying to hold a position that's left or right because it's like there's so much to learn one from both sides and there's also just so much to learn beyond these uh like political identities um <laughs> to what's going on in the world so yeah and even even if we don't engage with mainstream media um there's of course a lot of valuable information from a lot of you know people who are outside that mainstream discourse and i really dislike in general the the tendency to call everything uh, conspiracy theories when they are outside the dominant narrative it's I think so limiting and it creates Im immediately this kind of sense of 
wariness of like, oh, that must just be weird or wrong or um, so on. And there's like, I mean, the whole thing with the 5G that came up um, at the beginning of this in a really big way, I hadn't really looked into, but it didn't take me long actually to find like legitimate like scientists. Like, I don't know how more legitimate you could be. I've forgotten his name, but I'll link it below if you're interested in looking into it but um you know he's cambridge educated at columbia university and he has like for many years been speaking out about uh the dangers of like 3g and 4g and then of course with 5g because it's so incremental and it's over a long period of time we don't notice immediately unless perhaps we're like highly sensitive which many of us also are and can feel you know uh, like the effects of these upgrades in technology um but he's come together with like hundreds of scientists to sign like a petition to say like this needs more research this is not like safe as it is to just roll out globally and so you know right there I feel like oh this is something worth then looking at a little bit more but the seem seemingly like mainstream media just seems to f like focus on like no this has been proven safe and this you know everything else against that is conspiracy theories to the point now where um they're taking down anything that goes against uh you know some of these um beliefs around safety and so forth on social media and it, it's just like making it impossible to just have I feel like a real conversation like can't we just come into a space of the truth like learning from one another um so anyway that's just one example um and in general like nothing within the conspiracy world or the alternative like well like can shock me or surprise me at this point like I have some friends who go so deep into it and I'm like yeah okay like I don't deny any of that I just I also just don't know because we have to realize it's still a form of media and it's not like a experienced truth it's not like a reality that we you know for sure know um so we have to still take everything you know, with a grain of salt and just be maybe open and interested. But like to a certain point also, I feel like let's focus on what's really important in our lives. Let's really nourish, you know, first ourselves, uh, really take care and like really, you know, be curious about our gifts and our uh, interests here and what we really have to bring to the world. And then paying attention to our media community the people that we love and like taking care of one another you know reaching out staying connected and then it can ripple out um bigger and bigger but i think we can get so caught up in you know any form of media and get lost in it and we can you know also be so good at lying to ourselves when we're clearly addicted to something but we we feel like it's necessary right we need to be informed we need to know and it's like really important again to question like but why like what can I do with this and I feel like I've gotten into you know I, I had a lot of like whew, um, fear like anxiety a lot of stuff coming up to the surface things um, when this all began um, just stuff to kind of look at within myself 
And I feel at this point I've come into such a steady flow of just like channeling everything into my work where I have so much energy, so much is happening, so much movement. I'm getting so much beautiful feedback. It feels like, okay, this is where I'm actually able to be purposeful to create real change. I'm able to show up in the way I know how, in the way that comes like relatively easily to me. It feels like a natural thing to do. And trusting that it's been such a journey to get to this space of just trusting it and allowing for it and, you know, receiving money for the things I love to do and receiving, um, you know, just interest and engagement and all those things. It's it's taken a while to accept that because it's like felt like, no, it shouldn't be, you know, maybe this easy or I don't know. It just hasn't felt like... Um, always right but when when I really yeah this is what I love to do with my whole heart and it's actually what is also useful in the world and actually so many people are you know like receiving a lot from it it feels like a miracle and this is the state that I'm in right now where I'm just so uplifted so elevated I feel you know so aware of so many intense things going on in the world but it's just propelling me deeper into um, the work and it just feels exciting and amazing so yeah I'm in a really personally in a good space where yeah everything is aligned and I feel like in a really beautiful balance with my my home life just being on our land just being outside um, you know seeing loved ones we're in a we're in a lucky position I think because Costa Rica like handled this whole situation like really well um in the like compared to the world and we actually have had not had any cases arrive to our area and uh like relatively very few in Costa Rica as a whole so it's really relaxed I mean people have been going through their own stuff here but um you know, it's really tough because our whole area is based on tourism and there's a lot of people struggling right now because, you know, overnight that all stopped and came to a halt. But finally there seems to be, you know, beautiful energy flowing through everyone. Everyone's kind of getting creative and excited about different things. Of course, there's still hard um, things being dealt with and, um, you know, just trying, people trying to survive. But we're also so incredibly lucky here just in general with abundance like a fresh fruit there's a lot of um like plant exchanges happening our friend came over the other day with like uh six medicinal plants and it's just so fun to learn about this inc incredible jungle that you know is still so new to me in many ways even though I've been here for five years it's like wow it's just a lifetime of discovery of plants and fruits and I, I just was gifted these fruits from my friend's tree and made this incredible jam and and yeah all these beautiful little things are happening and um yeah we just had like so many like bunches of banana like <laughs> ripen at the same time so we're like overwhelmed by bananas and um uh, yeah again we're we're very I think lucky here and also this the community here who's lived here for a long time they're also used to being resilient and looking after themselves there were many times 
roads would be cut off, like access uh, that couldn't be reached. And so people have learned to be self-sufficient. People, you know, are sharing root vegetables and and plants and fruit trees again all the time. So people have pretty biodiverse um, gardens and grow a lot of things um, just out of practice. And so it feels like we're in already a good place. And again, it's sort of relaxed here to the point where people are meeting up and connecting again and i'm sure people will adapt once again if there are cases that show up here but yeah we haven't had any so people are socializing which is <laughs> so sweet it's like oh yeah this human connection which can easily feel like not that vital in our world because we focus so much on work and um family yes but like you know making money and and just uh you know getting through the week and so on and um just social like feeling the real connection with people real uh like conversations that just go on and on and on and um yeah feeling that we're also supported and we're held by other people it's so I think necessary for us as humans and this is something that we're trying to get back to in some way you know the village the community you know especially as soon as I became a mother it was like how how can like this is not meant to be you know one person or just two people it's meant to be a village like for all of you like the child as much as the parents it's um you it needs that like community element you you're like not in the same place anymore it's like this sickness we have of like no I can just do it all by myself and we can look after each other and, and I don't know pay for services and so on which is great but it's really nice to know you also have just yeah support <laughs> in all realms you don't have to be parents but just in life I think having that real life connection is so important and it's it's taken me some time I think to really develop as well like more meaningful um, relationships and I, I definitely I think this is a common pain point for a lot of people um, is maybe a lack of like I guess soul family friendships like um, people we really feel connected to. I think it's something that's not spoken about enough. Um, the kind of loneliness we can feel on this journey. And I think especially those of us who are truth seekers, are healing, are growing, are like, you know, opening up the sense of what is possible, like um, allowing dreams to become reality. It's like this change all the time it's like kind of embracing change rather than just staying static in the you know laid out path ahead of us or you know staying in the same place where we grew up where it feels and, and we just stay with the same set of people and um you know the obvious job like it, there's many ways um you can break free from that in small ways or in bigger ways and I think those of us who are just on this journey of self-exploration, discovery and so on, it like 
at times can feel so lonely because it's like you're going through, you know, new experiences. <laughs> and unless someone else is, you know, interested in that same journey, then you feel like, again, lonely. And, and through this journey, yeah, I've had to kind of allow for... Um, this letting go process constantly and just being open to new people I can meet, new places, new opportunities. And and really, I felt, I, I still love everyone who's been part of my journey, but there had to be sometimes this like sort of letting go process of what I, maybe the illusion of a friendship or the idea of it and just like the niceties of staying connected or I don't know going through the motions um of that like more superficial friendship and really questioning at times like okay is this in balance like are we feeding one another or do I feel drained or do I feel like we're just not you know in the same place anymore and just being okay with that has yeah, it's been some of my hardest lessons. I would say harder than romantic relationships has been at times friendships. It's been very confusing. Um, I've just generally always had this kind of optimistic part of me to a fault where I just see the best in people and I like so it makes me a really good <laughs> like coach or mentor. Like it makes me really able to support and hold space for people because I just like automatically just see all the possibilities all the beauty all the gifts I just I I just see it um but it has also made me blinded to you know in personal relationships to other stuff which then can totally blindside you if you're not really paying attention and when I look back it was like oh yeah that was always there and in many ways I think uh, you know, if we are doing personal work, we're facing our shadows, we're facing our pain. And, and you know, like I said at the beginning of the episode, like taking accountability for our part in relationships and dynamics and situations. Um, but the other person is not. <laughs> it's kind of like a ticking time bomb because if you're not doing that deeper work on yourself, it's like at some point that's going to come out in a dysfunctional way and yeah there's been moments where I felt truly betrayed hurt uh, just yeah so sad at like a situation that's just blown up and then also you know over time again I can feel like the forgiveness for myself and for the other person and just love again because it's like uh it's all we're all human we're all messy we're all going through things at different times it's all okay but it's also you know at a distance and I, I will say for pretty much everyone in my life I hold space for being close again like if we meet again and it feels like we're in a place where it really like it's like serving one another we're really nourishing one another then of course like I'm so open to that but I've also had to like allow for that maybe not being the case and us just loving you know you know from afar and maybe there's still resentment from them or even some from me but like again that's I think my own to look at and to heal and to forgive and to again put love to 
Um, but I feel like this is not what's talked about and this is not what's shared, like the amount of, you know, I grew up with sex in the city and this idea of like, oh, this group of friends and like you nearly want to create it. And and I think, I mean, they're all, um, you know, women late 30s in like approaching their 40s and I think there's still time to mature and to maybe settle into that kind of a circle or a friendship. But for me, at least, it still isn't like landed. And maybe it's also part of my nature that I've always been interested in uh, being friends with different people and never being categorized or put into a box like and that would often trigger different friendship groups who kind of want you to hold their identity or stay within that group. And you're kind of seen as a traitor or an outsider. And that's been part of, I think, the the pain, but also the freedom, because it feels like I'm never dependent on one group of friends. I'd say the time where it got the most intense for me was at, actually at university. I felt overall secondary school high school was pretty nice going of course there was a lot of stuff that comes up and still you know bitchy girl dynamics and I mean all the stuff but you know overall it felt like um not that bad an experience and then I was traveling and I felt so alive as soon as I went traveling and just seeing the world and meeting people and realizing oh there's all these different ways of living and it just opened up my whole mind and my whole world to what was possible it made me so excited for all the things I could do and um, just the adventure of life and then getting to university was pretty surreal because I came from this like free spirit kind of mentality to this university that was very much hmm, majority of people who really knew the career path they wanted and I felt like such an alien like could not see myself in any of it you know there were people again who showed up to my class in suits and I was there in like flip-flops and uh, just like you know whatever it was just such a strange experience but I ended up in and I would say like the social life wasn't that big I was like really excited to go to London because I felt like oh there's so much going on there and um I I wasn't going to be stuck on like just like a university college campus and like that would be the whole world like no I could be in London where there'd be so much you know more also going on um but the, the kind of social life within the university was pretty small like everyone knew each other so it felt very like very small town like everyone knows each other's business it was like a lot of gossip a lot of stuff and pretty much the way to be part of the social life was to be part of a sports team and I grew up it's not a sport that many people know unless you grew up in the UK but I played this sport called netball um you know uh, I'm not going to really explain the game. You can look it up if you're interested, but I really loved it and I was like pretty good at it. Um, it's, you know, when it's played at a high level, it's really fast paced and um, yeah, I loved it. So I, and I also, you know, when I got to London, just wanted to stay kind of doing exercise. I'd grown up, you know, near the ocean and by a huge uh, park and 
I've just used to being outside a lot and, and always kind of being pretty active. So this was my way to join that team. And then I immediately in the trials got into the first team. And with that came this kind of obligatory social life and group of friends and, and so on. That on one hand was super fun, like, you know, just drinking a lot which is very much you know a British thing and I had actually started pretty young drinking so it wasn't really new to me I was kind of already at that point not that into it but I was also part of this you know world and I was just going along with it and it's kind of some of my um, memories of just where I wish I had not succumb so much to group think and in the same in this case team team dynamics and it's just if I look back it's kind of where I started to lose my sense of really what I'm interested in doing and like the nightlife was fun again to a certain extent I'm very good at having fun and being like I felt like a lot of people saw me as a party girl I like being love dancing I just love like having fun but when I look back it wasn't really my scene it wasn't really my kind of night out it was like pretty cheesy like bars and just like very much like sports team kind of stuff and uh yeah it and I I genuinely loved you know a lot of like everyone really and we had fun again but yeah I ended up in this uh friendship group and it began like I really like after living in student halls for the first year I really believed that we were going to live in like with a group of boys and and several of us girls together I really like male and female energy I had a lot of immediate guy friends at university who felt like my a little bit more um my rock like a little bit more like oh yeah some of these guys are into the same music into the same stuff and um really like getting on with them but then one of my close girlfriends at the time she had like a bad I can't remember the situation but it was a bad fallout with one of the guys I think he was interested in her and she wasn't and it just became like really toxic between them and it was clear like we couldn't live with those group of boys <laughs> and I had such an intense first year there like just what am I doing and I I remember I just took my loan which was not a smart choice at the time but I was just like I need to go and do a trip I hadn't I'd skipped over Indonesia and Bali on my uh, my travels and I really wanted to go back and I had a a travel friend who like I'd fallen in love with like our friendship and I was just yeah I was like she was gonna go so I was like okay I'm gonna go so for that summer, I just spent the whole summer in Bali. And so I missed the whole opportunity to kind of re rearrange our housing situation, but it became all girls. And it was pretty much all girls from the same uh, team, netball team. Um, and uh, one of the girls was in like the next team. Um, uh, so, and it started off, you know, again, fun. Like it was it's like a new adventure living in a house together for the first time uh you know away from home uh but it very quickly became um very like I would say political like psychological there was like a lot of like you know 
who you're friends with or who like I don't know the different dynamics just had to get very intense and it um just headed more and more into this direction of like bitching and gossip and I just uh, I mean overall I just had to feel like I just was didn't belong here and it just I just it things didn't really like feel like what, there was all these different dramas and situations and some of it I was involved with others I wasn't and then I was just like I need to find my way out of this and I just started becoming like over two years we were like together in the same house for two years and by especially by the end I was like there and not really talking to anyone and it felt so lonely and it also had become really just my main friendship group apart from again guys that I'd been friends with and just like a few other um random people but I'd kind of put all like my energy into this space and into this group that it felt like really difficult and hard to get out of and it was probably my lowest point of like feeling depressed and alone and just really um not myself I'd come so far away from myself um and that yeah it was so toxic and the moment that I knew was like oh my god this is so wrong I just came home and one of the girls was crying and I went to go and check on her I was like what's going on and she was like yeah you know uh, this other housemate had like basically you know stopped talking to her like ostracized her and she was like yeah and I was like well what what happened like what did you do like what what's the situation she's like I just know it's my my time <laughs> so it was like she didn't feel like any actual reason she just felt like it was her time for that to happen to and I was like this is so fucked up like what are these games that are being played it was just like yeah and that moment like kind of released me as well from caring about it and worrying about it and still trying to mend things or I was just like okay I'm letting go gonna figure out just like the end of this time here together and then step out but yeah it was it was really rough and it took a long time I think to kind of really heal that and feel like I yeah I'd branched out and made other friends and started going out and doing different things but yeah there was definitely a lot of um loss and disillusionment and confusion and just through that time and you know one of my most like I feel most ashamed of I'm just gonna out myself here because it feels like oh so it's like one of those situations it's like okay when you're a child or when you're like a young teenager maybe you could be like you know you still could have known better but it's like yeah you were a child you were like heavily influenced but you know, by the time I was at university, definitely should have known better and definitely should have just had a voice. But it's like interesting, this journey of um, coming into my voice because, well, I'm going to zoom it back really because I still remember this moment when I was in high school, secondary school, and um, we were just in a cafe. I think we were like 15 or 16. There was just like a group and it wasn't like my main group of friends, but it was like the girls I was like friendly with and we were all just hanging out and I remember one of the girls just started to become so outwardly racist like so like it was so normal and I was remember like f 
freezing. Like I remember being kind of shocked because I was like, did not grow up with that kind of household. My grandparents were like, you know, kind of in their village, like doing everything to like save the mosque. They were like so proud of their son who had like moved to Zambia and married a Zambian woman. They thought like that whole family were amazing. Like there was just so celebratory of culture and other ways of uh, looking and, and being in the world. So I'd really grown up with that. And I just didn't think it was ever okay um, to be racist. I just didn't know any, I actually was just sh so shocked because I didn't know some people spoke like that. And some, I mean, I knew there was racism out there at the time, but I, just, I didn't know yeah, where I lived and the people that I knew that that would come out of their mouth. And no one said anything. In fact, we're like kind of nervously laughing or whatever. And I just remember like boiling up. I, I had like, I wanted to say something so much. I was just sitting there like, oh, what? And uh, like nothing came out of me. And I, I still remember that like, being a moment that just like stayed with me like it weighed heavy on me like why couldn't I say something and I think it even began then where I started to explore like why do I feel blocked in my voice like where is this fear from like why am I unable to say what I want to say and like um and then you know this continued to you know many moments in relationships where it wasn't like necessarily racist or anything um you know directly um bigot bigotry or anything like that but it was more like just stuff that I felt uncomfortable with or something that was said that I like yeah wasn't didn't feel good about but I and so many times I felt like this need to say something but I couldn't say something like I was again frozen and I just remember, like, I need to figure this out. Like, I don't want to go through my life like that. Um, so it's been this kind of exploration, I think, from then. Like, how can I step out of that? And I definitely found courage at certain moments. You know, when, like, everyone is silent about something and you're just like, no, like, this isn't okay. And I became more and more, I think, outspoken in certain situations publicly and so on but not all the time and so uh yeah where I started to lose my really my sense of identity and really who I was at university like really struggling overall with studying and then being part of the social groups that I wasn't really like I, I could have fun with but again I wasn't like really relating to on any like deeper level and we were just part of this culture of sports teams where it's like these team mentalities and there was this like Christmas event each year and the whole whole idea is to become um to be as outrageous as you can to be as um to be as shocking as you can so like it was just whoa like what people would dress up as sometimes you're just like like wow like aren't you like hoping to become a politician later in life you know like you just I just be having those thoughts in my mind like this is really like fucked up like um and so th that was playing in my mind already and then I think the second year or I don't know at what point but 
we were coming together and we were like, you know, the whole point is like you're meant to be more shocking than the other team and so forth. And um, our captain, our team captain was like, I've had this amazing idea. Like it's going to be like, um, yeah, so shocking. Like no one's going to see it coming. It's going to be so hilarious. And she like really um, built it up. And so then she's like, I think we should dress up as Mr. T. And she's like, I found these costumes online. You basically black up your skin. You wear a skull cap. You dress up as the character Mr. T. And then we do his phrases and so on. And I mean, it seemed on one hand, yes, like that is like ridiculous. And it's funny. We would look so, you know, different with a skull cap and obviously with blacked up skin but you know this like weird like this discomfort and we had a black girl on our team and it was like this moment of like is this okay and like she was asked and she was like yeah I think it's funny and yeah 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 and she was like up for it but I in that moment where she responded like that I think it was also like if I look back it was also clear that she was uncomfortable and that she just wanted to fit in and be cool and not create a problem. I think like it was obvious the discomfort in her voice, but she just responded right away like, yeah, 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 it's fine. Like, yeah, it's funny. Like, da, 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 like, it's okay. And that suddenly became the permission slip of like, yeah, that's okay. And I just remember feeling so uneasy, but again, not saying anything, not challenging it, not wanting to be again, the one who, you know, stirs that rocks the boat. It's like, okay, maybe this is funny. And I don't know you. And at the time, I have to say also, I just had like this conversation around uh, like Black Lives Matter. And, you know, in the UK, this acknowledgement of our privilege of uh, these dynamics and constructs had not been examined were not discussed I mean of course they had been examined by certain people and especially people of color are living that experience every day but those of us who are white and are from privilege were completely blinded and we're not really thinking that deeply like why is this wrong and like why is this like you know uh, really um, insulting and not like not the same if a black person white like whited their skin um, and decided to go into like a full costume of a white person. It's just not the same because um, the power dynamics is just so imbalanced. The um, you know the discomfort, like the attack, the suppression, just the police brutality, the the focus on black people um, as still other within the society is like huge issues, like such systemic, uh, deep issues, which I like understand in such a deep way now after many years of just really wanting to understand and exploring this, even before it became such a huge movement, I've just been really deeply looking at this and questioning it and exploring it because it's been a necessary part of my journey with my work, especially with Saucy Gathering, like okay, why are there these weird um, dynamics and relationships between, uh, you know, the so-called Western modern world and, say, indigenous people, or, um, people of color and, and other countries? Like, what are all these cultural narratives? Like, what are all these societal beliefs, all these uh, huge issues that have just, you know, risen to the surface again and again? But zooming back to 
2009, uh, this was clearly like, it was definitely still uncomfortable and not felt on on deeper level not right, but we went along with it. We were all getting drunk and this was just part of the thing. And I just, again, still, it's like, wait, what am I most, I'm like sharing it with you now. And it's like been for so long, the thing like I'm being like, oh my God, I hope no one ever has to find that out or like I'm so ashamed it's so embarrassing and I I just want to share it because I'm sure in all all of us who um you know have certain degrees of privilege have been blinded at times have done stupid things and have been actually racist and part of the problem and so it's really important to have these conversations and so to out (laughs) myself for this experience um it's also important to just release it and let it go and be like okay at least now I know better and at least after that um I never you know did anything like that again because I still remember you know it's an all-time drinking all day like drinking event so it's like daytime and we had to go from our like student union to where the event was taking place this huge like club or, or hall and so we were walking through the streets of London and I I still remember seeing this older Indian man like coming out of his house and just his face when he saw us. And that was the moment that I was just like, oh, like, what are we doing? Like, he looked so aghast, like so shocked and just, yeah, again, I was like mortified and I just remember like kind of numbing it out by drinking and it's just so sad and it's pathetic and of course there's far worse things I could have done there's far worse um situations but it's still it's like this ignorance and this just like we can do what we want it's funny and da 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 that it's just like it is such a huge part of the bigger problem and at this point in life it's like I kind of came to the space 2019 again. I felt like, wow, am I alone again? Like, (laughs) my friends. And then I, you know, it's like a process I go through. And then it's like, wait there, I have beautiful friends in my life and and also nourishing maybe people I had, like, I've just taken for granted or I just, you know, not put my energy into and just like really focusing on that. And just, it came to this point where I was like, my work is so important to me now like I don't want to mess around anymore so I don't want to mess around in this gossip or bitching or um, like I'm now in a very small community as well it's very easy to get tangled up into gossip and as soon as I made like a zero tolerance a lot of people seem to disappear from my life locally Um, but at the same time it's it's brought in like closer relationships with people I already knew and then also new people and I just it came to this place where I'm like if not if like a friendship or a person is not like nourishing me and my work and it's like in some way draining it or I feel like I'm walking on eggshells I'm not able to just speak my truth I I have to just be in a place where I can speak my truth and feel like 
you know, and I just acknowledging that at times just by me being myself is going to be inherently triggering for people. It's a really hard pill to swallow. And I realized however much I was dancing around people pleasing and wanting to be everyone's friend and just be like a likable person, I was still pissing people off and still triggering people. I think it's just, again, to be who we are, we're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. And I think the more and more we get into our authenticity, you know, our sense of like who I really am and letting go the layers and layers of like pretense and um, masks and like, I don't know, yeah, performing for different uh, people and wanting to, again to be liked as soon as like we drop more and more layers of that it, it can be pretty brutal if who like people just disappearing and not really being in our life anymore but it's so much more worthwhile to get into this deeper place of like I know who I am I know what I'm here for and this you know it's also open to change and you know having beautiful people, friends in my life and really nourishing those and also knowing some people might also be here for another period of time and then we might also go in different directions again and finally coming into peace with that and again it's not what we're shown I think necessarily in tv and film this is like um idyllic sense of like a group of friends maybe childhood friends and your friends your whole life and I'm not saying that doesn't exist. I, I know it does for people. But again, those of us who are on this path of emerging into this new world and really embracing change in general, I think we also uh, are learning how to, you know, uh, let go and then br and attract new people into our life all the time. And then also like deepening with people again and again and again. And what I loved um, coming across was this book by John O'Donohue called Anamkara. And again, I'll link it below. Uh, but it explains so beautifully this understanding of soul friendship. And um, he explains, like, I'm going to simplify it. It's like, I, I so recommend reading it because it's not very long. And it's just, he's such a poetic, beautiful writer and so deep and just, yeah, beautiful. Um, but he explains how like every friendship at certain point will meet like a dark night of the soul between the friends where you nearly like maybe hate each other. You've seen like the shadow sides of one another. Like there's like something intense has happened, perhaps an argument that's like, you know, our ugly sides have shown up. Like the longer and deeper we go with someone, it's very likely that will happen. And he says that is the moment where you get to understand if you are like, you know, going to deepen and become like soul friends, like Anamkara, um, because you come back after that, like you've seen those sides of each other and you still come back to love and appreciation of like the friendship you have. Um, yeah, that's the moment. And, you know, many friendships, when they get to that tough point in the road, will like move on from one another it's like they don't we don't want to see those sides of ourselves reflected <laughs> in a relationship and this is why often you know the more humbling deeper work happens in romantic relationship or with family because we generally don't 
so easily escape those <laughs> they're like with us especially family um and then partnership if we've chosen to like <laughs> commit then it's also another another thing where it's like your stuff is going to come up at times you're not gonna want to see each other and then it's like coming back together um is where you go deeper and deeper each time and with friendships, I find it's always been harder because I've been nearly, I think, the one more willing to do that, like come back together and learn and grow. Um, and not everyone is up for that. They they want to like kind of, I don't know, maybe go back into their, their comfort space or maybe just, yeah, see that as a symbol of the end. And maybe that's also been right, you know. I think I'm also like tried to hold on to friendships like, to a fault like be so loyal and so like committed that um maybe it's also okay to let go and to have a friendship divorce and move on and again send love as much as we can um especially when the time feels right to heal whatever showed up but yeah those friendships that move through that dark night of the soul and then come back together like they're it's like he describes it like, yeah, that's the friends that are here for life. Once you've gone through that and maybe a couple of times, but it's, it's usually one particularly uh, hard one. Um, yeah, that's that's what you can maybe call as real friendship. Because I think also the word friend gets so thrown around. Like we can have like hundreds, thousands of friends on Facebook <laughs> Um, and maybe not even know some, some of those people come up on my Facebook I'm like who are you again like how do we know each other like it's so strange um, and so yeah <laughs> learning again what real friendship is I think it's also like a dying art form because we've again become used to social media and more like superficial exchanges and let's just get the picture of us as friends <laughs> and then move on um, and having even just like, you know, time for one another where you get to have deep conversations and explore and, and learn about one another and really be there for one another through different ups and downs. It's like a different thing. It's a different quality. It's a different depth. Um, so we're also lacking maybe a bit in vocabulary in the English language of like descriptions of like acquaintance to friend <laughs> to you know soul friend I don't know it's like there's a huge spectrum in between but I wanted to talk about this because I, even some of you who've been listening have reached out to me and said like this this podcast has been such a like a friend to you like just a, a space where you feel like oh this is actually a place where I feel aligns with the way I think and see the world and, and like to be and I don't really have that in my life and I just want to acknowledge you know all of us because I think it's just a very real thing again it's not talked about that much and um, it can be a hard thing to figure out and I, I just say like uh, things can come with intention like if we want to really call in soul family I think we can start to do so and we might have to create space and a lot of that is uncomfortable, you know, to also be the one to create space from people who could be toxic, who could be draining, who, you know, without realizing we've just not really moved on. And this can be even energetically, you know, just in the mind. I, I've had people like I hadn't spoken to for a long time, but they still felt very much 
there in my like sense of friendship and who was there but then doing this ritual of release and just like meditating on it and just like with love letting people go and again holding space to us coming together any time and I got into this practice like several years ago and it helped actually move so much in my life um, where I had felt stuck maybe before um, but then I think it's become more and more of a practice where I kind of do it now where I'm ready to let everyone go <laughs> and I don't want to say that like um you know sense of like because I have a lot of you know again beautiful people in my life that I really care about but it's nearly the sense of like I am like here for myself and my soul journey and my, again my work and my purpose and my family and you know my now my son and my partner and it's like okay, I'm willing to let anyone go who's like no longer here and just be in that complete space. And it's kind of magic because some people immediately ping back. It's like you haven't really spoken for a while, but then like you do this ritual and then they like immediately come back into your life and you feel it and you're like, oh yeah, this is beautiful. Like this is a great friend. Like we are still here together. And so it kind of fortifies that and it's like, oh yeah, cool. And then others who just, yeah, are not there anymore and it's like, oh, okay. I didn't think that would happen, but it has and it's okay. And I, again, just trust that we're on our own journeys and the most loving thing we can sometimes do is also let another person go. I know this has been a tough lesson in relationships. It's like, if this is not right for me, it's not right for them. And so it's really actually important to let them go so that we can both find the right person we're meant to be with. But we have this, you know, these guilt complexes and this sense of like, no, I want to be kind. And this is like where that sentiment of like, sometimes you have to be cruel to be kind. Sometimes you have to create those boundaries and cut people out because it's like, you're just, you know, even though you had this amazing thing, this this relationship for some time, like, we're not we're not here for each other one you know anymore this isn't this isn't it and really only we can know that also at any given time it's never really ours to judge from the outside because relationships can look at times messy and like dysfunctional and like they're not you know doesn't seem like oh this is healthy but we don't know what like Jenny that other person is meant to be on and like you know what they're also going through and maybe working through and bringing out to the surface and actually they will get to a deeper more beautiful place than anyone because they've worked through that shit um I know for me <laughs> it's like um, my husband if he listens to this will be like laughing because it's like I can't let anything go in our relationship in our romantic relationship it's nearly like I want to bring everything to the surface, any situation I want to deal with, because one of my biggest fears is kind of taking it for granted and suppressing things. And I think even the smallest things are kind of threads to deeper things. And to me, I'm always like, let's get to the root of this. Like, let's get into that. And of course, again, a lot of that can be just simply myself looking at that, like within myself, what is this pattern? What is this reminding me of? What is this wound that needs to be healed? And then coming into deeper, honest conversation, I would say very early on, I, I think you heard me with uh, at the end of the conversation with Yana Robinson, it was like, <laughs> 
by the time I met my my husband, I was just kind of in this radical state of like, I'm not messing around anymore. Like, I need to know if this is for real. And so I just kind of laid it all bare and wasn't afraid to call him up on his shit and like have my shit called up on and just work it like through it at the beginning because it's like you have so much like passion and love and just romance and then also it's kind of a good time I think to kind of work through that stuff rather than staying in the like flitting and I look pretty all the time and I'm gonna fit within your world and we're just gonna you know be you know play this thing and then like it's not until later on that you realize oh that really pisses me off about you oh I really don't like that about you and I think it really helps when we kind of get in there uh, right from the start and I was kind of in this radical space of just like yeah this is it or something better is going to come along and so I'm not afraid to speak my truth and so it became this very powerful thing and a way of like really practicing like not playing any games and not needing to look or sound a certain way and just be as honest as I could and I'm really grateful for that and it suddenly became again this realization with friendships like why can I not have the same I mean it doesn't have to be so intense because I think romantic relationships can be more intense but I think there should also be this level of like yeah we can either speak our truth or we're just not here for one another like let's move on and yeah it's taken some time to really like allow for that or to trust that in my so my sort of relationships with friends but yeah it's truth telling is so vital again I have that really shameful experience where I'm just like you know in many ways grateful it happened because it keeps also me humble in the sense of like I don't feel at any time superior to anyone um, I believe there are reasons and like circumstances and context for everything. I think we need to lean in and understand one another more. Uh, it doesn't excuse behavior and situations, but I think it helps us understand and it allows us to really change things from the root and from the core. And I, again, I had this reminder with friends who are going really deep into the dark, dark conspiracy world and just saying like, you know, whoever you think is doing this and I'm not saying that they're not they are still people and deep down is a child and deep down is a soul and maybe it's lost maybe they are so traumatized so hurt so in their pain body that they are acting out constantly it's like right a child who feels um not safe and is um like feeling yeah not like like they have you know, they're not so sure that they're like loved and that they're being paid attention to, will act out, they'll hit, they'll spit, they'll like they'll do things, but they really, it's them trying to receive love, which is so counterintuitive because you feel like you need to then reprimand that child and tell them off, but it's like maybe there's something deeper there to look at, like why do they not feel seen? Why do they not feel, like I know it, again, it happens, our son is, pretty just a loving beautiful like calm boy he also has sometimes a lot of energy but the times for example where he starts like throwing rocks or he's like starts like punching me or spitting at me which has become a recent thing he just like spits at me occasionally and I'm like 
okay, where is this coming from? It's probably <laughs> lit from another child. It's like his preschool, but also um, there's maybe something here where he doesn't feel like he's really getting our attention. And then I look at that and I'm like, okay, I could be more present here, more engaged, more, you know, all the things. And that's also not always easy when you're a parent full time. <laughs> so giving grace and forgiveness and understanding for that and knowing, okay, maybe I need to have more self-care time to myself so that when I am with my son, I'm fully there. And so, yeah, seeing that. And so it's like, you know, the, the bad actors in the world, the people who are doing, you know, bad stuff, really fucked up stuff. Um, I think it also immediately takes the power away when we look at them as wounded children. <laughs> and when we see that, it's like we can, you know, again, in some level feel compassion and love as if like a mother, we're like seeing a child that's wounded. But it's also, you know, as a parent, you, know, you have to have also this sense of like boundaries and like, yeah, and this is not okay you are not allowed to spit in my face, not allowed to punch me. Like that's not okay. And children are also looking for that boundary setting. They also want to feel like, oh, this is what is in the perimeter of is okay. This is where I can be cheeky and it's funny. And this is where I'm like cheeky, but it's also becoming like violent or dangerous. And um, <laughs> they need that parenting. And I think... Again, the people out in the world, I have this fundamental belief that if someone is doing something that is harmful to others uh, or themselves or the environment or so on, like on some level, they are disconnected from, you know, their heart and from, because when we do good things, it's, it's very selfish because it feels good and it feels so uplifting and that is like something that everyone should be able to feel because uh, it's just when you can yeah, really show up for good in the world and be part of the solution, regenerating, adding to like, um, you know, being a loving force, being kind, like it feels so good in return, you know, like overall when I've been sort of optimistic and um, seeing the best in people to a fault, I, I look back and I'm like, I don't know if I would change anything and I don't know if I need to change it really because I feel good overall. <laughs> it keeps me feeling in a loving and good place and I just, whenever things show up that like different to that, again, I know I need to go in and look at that and, and then when I do that deeper work, it's always worthwhile and this is something I shared within the Soul Heat House recently. It's like, you know, doing this deeper history, looking at the pain of the world, looking at um, like huge issues around like racial justice, indigenous rights, like land rights, like protecting the animals, like all these things. And then looking at a history, the history we've all been part of in some way. Um, it's It brings up a lot of discomfort. And I've been doing that for seven years, this research. Um, and it's, it doesn't stop. I don't think it will ever stop. It's uncomfortable. It brings up rage. It brings up pain. It brings up shame. It brings up all the emotions. And each time I look at it and I move through it and I feel it and I show up again um, to do my part, I can tell you it's so freeing, empowering, like 
uplifting. Like the gifts are so uh, infinite. Like it's so worthwhile, like digging into that stuff. And I know some of you who are listening who are also part of the Soul Seed House have already shared that with me. Like you're constantly <laughs> triggered. And it's like, at this point, I, I don't, I was so worried for so long about triggering anyone that now at this point, I don't even think about it. So I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. I guess, yeah, of course it is. Um, but I shared this in the Soul Seed House. Like, yeah. Like just acknowledging that it will be no matter where we come from, no matter, you know, who we are, it's going to bring up stuff to the surface um, that is ours to heal. Like the tendency is then to throw it out at someone else, to be angry, to be frustrated. Like it's really important to sit with that discomfort and again, dig deep, feel it out and release it. So we can show up. And again, the reason I shared that, you know, experience of me dressing up as Mr. T, which I'd rather not talk about or share, is because, like, I know now fundamentally, like, shame and guilt are not good energies to act from. And the more I'm able to look at that, forgive it, heal it, and move on and do better, like, the more I'm able to actually show up and be a human and be a person and be actually useful to any movement or or, or community or person or situation. Um, it's when the, the real problems come in our society with a lot of charity and nonprofit work and, and so on, when it comes from guilt and shame, because it ends up like guaranteed in dysfunctional behavior. It makes us blinded to certain dynamics it makes us get into these really weird relationships with people and I can tell you just again fundamentally like no one deserves to receive our guilt and shame no one wants to feel that no one wants to feel our pity or our like no one wants to feel that like we shouldn't be going into any communities trying to like build a school or trying to help these people out from that energy because it's toxic and it's just not needed. And like I've said, like just trying to shift the narrative and the understanding of the way we can show up in this world to do good, it takes far more a humbling path. It's a little bit more, you know, listening and learning before we act and impose a certain like change or way of helping people. It's really important to learn what people's real needs are not to impose our own and that deeper time again it takes it's more uncomfortable I think and again things show up that I think we generally don't want to look at so we suppress and then we do something and it's erratic and it just perpetuates problems in these areas it's like the amount of truly fucked up stuff we've done with aid and charity and nonprofit stuff it's like needs to be talked about because <laughs> again unless we're doing this deeper work we're adding to the problem and even things that just you know it sounds 100% good like oh like these people you know don't have clean water we need to bring them like clean water this is like a simple solution there can still be so many other parts to that and I'm not saying we shouldn't go and do that we shouldn't go and help those people, but we should also, um, you know, maybe involve the community more, be involved with the, the leaders and the 
the women and the children and listening and, and paying attention and, and understanding the ripple effect of every choice and action that we make and and then yeah choosing wisely and again it's important to take action and really like do things but I think a lot more um, attention could be paid on how we do that and um, again it's uncomfortable to learn when especially when it's clear like we've been part of the problem in the western modern world we've created this like gross imbalance and I don't know the deeper you go the more you find out the truth there's a lot of books I could recommend that will wake you up I really had it personally through the documentary job I had in 2012 I mean just really was so raw so so much like depth to situations so much like you know footage and and understanding of people's experiences through different uh, wars and, and and attacks on ways of life that just really shook me and again it was like at the time learning things like oh there's more slavery today than there were in colonial times like you know when colonialism had its like heyday golden era as it's sometimes called um that there's more today and i, I just remember hearing that and being like what like why is no one talking about this and then I started trying to talk about it, but no one really wanted to know and I was just like what and then learning about like these child like human like sex trafficking rings these like child prostitutions like and the numbers being like so unimaginable like this is like a whole industry and there's like a lot of like wealthy elite people like I was finding this out in 2012 and again no one wants to like no one wanted to really know or talk about it they wanted to focus on the next thing that they were worried about or doing in their lives and it's just again this stuff is kind of resurfacing now where people are talking about it and I'm like yeah wow <laughs> you this for such a long time and it's like so intense when you go deep into the reality of the world and it's like we have to find that balance we have to find a way where we can feel purposeful and channel that it's like I really do believe at this time this is why you know the project for women who want to change the world really came with this name it's like we're not turning our back we're looking at it and then we're looking at ourselves we're healing that within ourselves and then looking to how we can show up with our gifts our set of circumstances our set of privileges how can we be the most useful and it also feels like a joy to come from that energy when we give from that place when we are in service from that place it's so much more powerful enriching for everyone involved and so it's like it's nearly like a requirement to find joy to find that love and to find that humanity you know saucy gathering really works in this way that we are not like researchers where we're like separate and outside and looking at like a certain culture or group of people like we're coming always as human to human we're learning about stories we're asking like what do you have to share with the world and we're paying like the utmost attention and respect for other people's needs like like what is the spiritual work that you want us to do what is like what is the privacy like you know certain interviews 
uh, have to be kept within the Soul Seed House because that was our promise. Like, we're not going to publish this publicly online. And I would hear major publications and um, research institutes that would like maybe say, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. And then would go ahead and publish things or uh, ignore the spiritual request asked of them. And this is so serious for these people. Like it's not to be taken lightly. It's not for us to come in with a different worldview and kind of act like it's less than, like it's so imperialistic in itself. It's a scientism mentality where we've like upheld science and the material world as, you know, you know, all there is. And so that all this, you heard me mention, that was like why I was getting so triggered listening to Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari because it's this whole mentality of like, yeah, um, we are, you know, these funny ways our ancestors like made like made up deities and made up this spiritual world that then became into religions and, you know, still practiced by indigenous people today because it's like so... Um, it's so staying stuck in one, you know, point of worldview. It's not actually staying curious and open to learning about the way other people see the world. And it's like, yeah, it's just ignoring. And, and you're, I just also feel sorry for you and you're in that place because you're also missing it. You're missing the more than human world, the greater um, universe, this beautiful cosmo visions that uh you know different cultures have there's different ways of seeing that really nourish and enrich our lives not make believe it's just very much like part of really being i think human and thriving and and just again learning and retracing our ancestral steps as all all what it's about because we all come from <laughs> indigenous roots we all come from rich traditions and maybe we come from many different cultures at this point many of us are mixed heritage um, but like wow what fun we get to explore different roots of the tree um, and, and when we do that as well we come into a stronger sense of self and then we're not also you know getting into this weird place of appropriating or I don't know just <laughs> taking like the beautiful things practices from other traditions but not really facing the hardships of those people not really taking in like the reality and also not really um connecting to something in a deeper way this was a huge topic this last month in the soul seed house which I'm still keep like get, like trying to keep up with because there's so much that I want to share within the soul seed house for this theme where we explored animism plant spirits and plant medicines but this is a huge thing with plant medicines that we are coming to it uh, in often many cases I hear about situations all the time again I feel like people come to me and tell me <laughs> these experiences but it's um detached and disconnected from the actual like real rituals and practices and I shared recently on the Instagram about Maria Sabina who really um ignited the sort of you know hippie revolution and the connection to psychedelics in um like the 60s and um yeah it's sad when you learn that she as a you know 
Mazatec Curandira, like a, a woman really respected in her village, shared these immensely, you know, enriching like rituals and chants and like had such a deep connection and, and tradition with psilocybin, magic mushrooms and inviting Westerners into that just just started to rob more and more the experience. Like people who came were not taking the ritual aspects seriously, the ceremony bits experience. They just wanted to get high. They just wanted the experience. They wanted the shortcut and more and more it created this kind of tourism that became really toxic to the area to a point where the community all turned against Maria Sabina they saw her as a trader having like being sold out and like catering to these outsiders and selling their secrets and she just ended up being really condemned and her son was murdered her house was burnt down and she really spent the last few years of her life in poverty um and alone and it's so sad and heartbreaking and she said like the 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 true spirits of these mushrooms are no longer there they've disappeared and i've heard this it gives me chills because i've heard this also by medicine women and men who guide like ayahuasca ceremonies they will say like yeah she mother ayahuasca is not here today like people are taking the medicine, but they're not experiencing the real thing. They're here to just be high. They're not um, in reverence. They're not actually interested in connecting in a deeper way. And so she's gone. She's not there. And of course, there are in every, I think, situation, the authentic place to go, the way to go deep. And if you're interested, there is always, um, I think, still places to go. Again, it comes a lot with intention, what we're looking for. It really plays a huge part with every experience. But just to be aware, because we, I also have to constantly remind myself and forgive myself what I was raised with, the knowledge I was raised with, and what I was cut off from, you know, not understanding more cultural views in a deeper way, not understanding spirituality in a deeper way, not understanding ritual and ceremony and and all of these things. And so I'm constantly retracing steps. I'm constantly reminding myself, oh yeah, an altar really adds something to my life. And I can't sp explain it necessarily with words, but when I am interacting with it, it like moves things in my life. I feel connected. Uh, you know, things start to make sense in a really uh, kind of abstract way, but it does. And it's part of the flow, ritual and ceremony for me has been, yeah, being connected to nature, walking barefoot, feeling um, like, what are the animals saying? Can I connect to this tree? Can I connect to this plant? What am I putting into my body? And just being, yeah, again, hyper aware of all of those things um, and how enriching that is, again, for my life. I don't have to copy or take on another tradition. I can just simply connect and be in nature and in my body and in my experience and things again start to move differently and I start to wake up in many ways to to life um <laughs> and so yeah I <laughs> danced around a lot in this episode and thank you for being on this journey with me thank you for holding space for me to also share some some things I would rather not and just um, work towards healing that again deeper and allow for these mistakes to be part of the journey to 
Um, again, none of us can really ever be superior, I believe. You know, this is also the humbling thing when we own our mistakes and we own the things that we did wrong and we can really say, yeah, that was not right, that was not okay. It also keeps us human and humble and just on this path on the earth where we're just working to do better, we're just working to learn, show up and uh, be part of this greater change we wish to see in the world. And so I hope you receive something from this episode. Once again, I love hearing from you, your journeys, your experiences, anything you took from this episode. Um, I'm sending so much love to wherever you are in the world and as always inviting you in to join us in the Salty House. Um, this place of learning is so, so amazing and we're just, I think, really starting to get into a steady flow and motion now where I'm like, okay, I'm excited. This is really cool what we're doing and um, there's so many things coming out in the, like the rest of the year that I just, yeah, I'm so excited for it. So inviting you there. You can also at any time just support any amount on Patreon and we'll send you highlights from the house. You can also inquire about contributing or being involved um, in some way. We're also still open to that. There are definitely roles that can be filled. So please just let us know if you are interested. And again, if you want to work one-on-one, -on -one, if you want me to hold space, I really love doing that. And I really love hearing about you and just seeing the beautiful, you know, people in this world. And I know if you're listening, then we would likely be friends. We'd likely be in community. And so that's um, a really a nice like feeling to be had. It's not... It's not just a one-way thing. I trust if you're listening and you, some of you have been listening to every episode, I really do trust like the, you know, there's something here and I'm sure we'll meet hopefully at some point in the, in the, on our path ahead. Um, but yeah, know that you're not alone. Know that as long as you, you know, recognize, oh, actually I do need someone in my life or I do need some like community, I do need to feel supported um it's it's really it's really there we can we can ask for it and um with intention it would be amazed sometimes how things just magically show up um i will be coming back next week with a recorded conversation with another incredible friend person i would love for you to also learn more about i'll keep it a surprise for next week um and until then i hope you have a beautiful week